when I found out that I had blood clots, I was actually at a training camp in California. And so I had to like figure out how to get home, like really safely to the medical team in, in Baltimore. When they did the surgery in February, I was severely clotted all the way up to my abdomen and they couldn't break through the clots. But the scary part was I kept clotting. They don't know why then I asked my hematologist if I could raise it. He says, you can raise it, but you're going to be absolutely whipped. My body really wanted to be up there with the lead person, but it couldn't, you know, it was, it was trying to heal. But I was so proud of myself because I had to get back into racing and I just was like, okay, like I just need one race just to kind of get me going. And then it took a long time. Uh, so I'll never take for granted my health. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold, say yes to adventure, say yes to living it. Welcome to this week's edition of Living It with Chris Waddell. Today, I'm super excited to have Tatiana McFadden. Our hope with the people we bring on is that we have experts in the experience of being human. We will learn that Tatiana is most assuredly an expert in the experience of being human. Tatiana, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you virtually. I know. Hopefully that'll change. Actually, it sounds like I will be in Minneapolis for the trials. So I will probably okay. see you there. Awesome. It's been it's been such a change, hasn't it? I mean, such a change with the pandemic. What what have you done? What's going on? What's your mindset approaching Tokyo? Yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting, um, tough games, I think, going into this year, um, especially with last year, with the postponement of the games, having tracks closed, having gyms closed, your training has definitely been altered. Um, but the one thing to remember is that everyone's going through this, all the athletes are in the same situation um, where it's been, been pretty tough. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a very unique year. Um, I'm trying to hunt for a race to go to before trials in June. Um, so I'll be doing a track meet actually this and the end of April and the Swiss series in May. So we're hoping those will still happen. Um, it's also gonna be a unique games where, you know, they're not allowing spectators. So. This will be my six games going in and my parents might, you know, they're not going to be there. So that will be pretty tough. Not having a large family there. I usually have about 20 people there. So that will be, you know, pretty tough. But um, I think we've made it through the toughest part is living it out this year. Um, and so I'm just looking forward to competing again. I told myself, I was like, I'm never gonna take for granted ever <laughs> competing um, because I've missed being busy and I miss traveling and I miss races and I miss the competition and then miss seeing people um, and missing what I love to do. So I'm just very excited to, to compete again. When was the last time you competed? Well, two years ago, um, actually my teammate and Amanda and I were talking about this. It was two years ago at the New York City Marathon. So that's a long time to not be competing um, and then to head into a Paralympic Games. So it's very, we're all in a very unique position. Um, we were joking. I was like, hopefully we didn't forget how to race. <laughs> uh, so it's been um, tough, but you know, it's, I've been very fortunate to get outside and to train. Um, and that's been really nice. So I moved to Florida last January just for training purposes. And I thought I would be leaving in May, but I stayed, <laughs> um, especially when the pandemic hit and everything was on lockdown. So that was tough. I was by myself and I didn't know anyone here in Florida. Um, so that was really challenging, not having, you know, your friends or your teammates or your family um, that you can see physically every day. So I did lots of virtual calls, <laughs> lots of um, Zoom calls or FaceTime. Um, so it was really, really tough, but I felt like, you know, if I made it through that, then, um, 
just along for the ride now and we're almost at the curve and so just excited for the new norm. So you talked about not having competed in two years, but you also, yeah. you moved from the University of Illinois, which is what like in the Paralympics, it's like the third best country on the track uh, as far as track medals were concerned. So you left a place where every day was a competition. I mean, not necessarily a competition. You were doing your training, but at the same time, you were on the track with some of the best athletes, both men and women in the world. And so you had a barometer of where you were. Now you're, now you're all on your own. That's got to feel entirely different too. How are you going to feel like mentally, physically, emotionally, you're prepared to start this next, uh, these next steps in Tokyo? Yeah. So it's actually been very good that I've been on my own because I was very fortunate not to get COVID. So um, I think right there, everyone was training by themselves anyway, um, especially last year. So I was not alone in that situation. Um, and they're doing smaller group of training now. So um, at that point, I was just really happy just to be safe. And I feel like I'm a very good self motivator. So um, I have my Garmin and I have myself. And so that's, that's the good thing. Um, I think it'll be, you know, challenging to get into pack racing again, but your body will adjust and, and will remember again. And I think, again, a lot of people will be in the same situation too. So, um, you know, everyone's going to be getting the feel of racing again. So Swiss series will be important, I think, for a lot of people um, just to kind of get into a group again. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I really enjoy going to Switzerland and I think it's beautiful. And um, I'll be very excited to see my competitors and probably wave from afar. Um, but it'll be, it'll be good just to get out onto a track because for most people, tracks are still closed. So that's the challenging part as well um, is still getting access. Um, so we've done the best that we can um, and that's all we can do heading into, into Tokyo. So, so you talked about the getting back into competition and, and, and how, you know, getting back in the pack and things like that, that there will be a fair amount of muscle memory. You do have muscle memory in that this will be your sixth games. Your first games, 2004, Athens, 15 years old. Is that right? Yeah, 2004. I feel like an old lady now. So 2004 is my first game. Um, but yes, muscle memory would definitely come back after many, many years of, of racing. Um, so that's the good thing. Um, I feel, you know, I think it's going to be tougher for athletes, you know, for if, if this is their first games um, and getting that feel out, you know, coming from a pandemic and racing in your very first Paralympic Games. So um, I think that will be that will be tough. Um, but yeah, so I'm very, very looking forward to to racing again. And um, I think when I see a track, I'm just going to hug it because <laughs> I'm going to be very happy getting back to do what I love because um, we've been, quote unquote, like jobless for a year so or over a year. So I'm very excited to to get to do that. And to see your friends again and just be part of a really big community. What's the, you said that you went from being like the young kid. I mean, you were still in high school when you went to your first games and now yeah. you feel like the old lady. Uh, what is, what does that feel like? What is that evolution? Did it creep up on you or did you know it was coming? I felt like it creeped up on me, especially after Rio because in Rio I was still in my 20s and now I'm not and I'm like oh my gosh like it's so much has changed um your body changes and you have to adjust to that and that's what I'm learning right now is that when you're in your 30s I can't believe I'm saying that but like everything changes and so it's been really interesting to learn how to kind of adapt to that and you have to 
I've learned that like recovery is like the most important thing now. Um, whereas in your twenties, you can kind of get by, you know, and, um, I'm definitely taking more naps and whereas before I'm like, who needs a nap? You know, I, I'm like naps, they waste so much time. And then I'm like, no, like they're very important. Um, and really focusing on nutrition as well. Um, getting, you know, your important, um, recovery and good carbs. in. so it's been a shift. Um, so I'm going to be going into these games, uh, much older. Well, you go into it much older, but you also, I mean, 17 Paralympic medals, 23 marathon wins from 2013 through 2016, you won all four of the big marathons in the world, right? So Boston, London, which is less than a week separated between running the Boston Marathon, the London Marathon. And there is that little thing of like the Atlantic Ocean where you have to fly to London to do the race, Chicago and, and New York. So you did, you won all four of those, but you're talking about some of the recovery things. Then you, you had some health problems, right? You had some, some blood clot issues and, and yeah. really went from kind of being invincible to, to probably seeing yeah. some of your your mortality, how has the perspective of seeing a bit of your mortality changed the way that you have to approach your sport and the way that you approach your competition? Yeah, so it was uh, after 2016, coming from such a high of, you know, winning and doing really well, and then all of a sudden being slammed with health issues. That's another thing that I'll never take for granted is my health as well. Um, and so that was a really scary time because when I found out that I had blood clots, I was actually at a training camp in California. And so I had to like figure out how to get home, like really safely to the medical team in, in Baltimore. And, um, cause the last thing I, you want to do is get on a plane. Right. Exactly. So I had to, um, get my body, you know, on pretty high dose of Xeralto just to, you know, make the flight, um, and get it into my system, you know, within a week. And so, yeah. And then getting on a plane, that's, you know, terrifying. Um, and so when they did the surgery in February, I was severely clotted all the way up to my abdomen and they couldn't break through the clots. And I was very swollen. I had lots of lymphedema. I think I gained like 15 pounds of lymphedema. So just like water weight, just sitting there, um, because I was so clogged, um, the blood clots, you know, they're, they were in, you know, blocking the veins. So your water is essentially bursting outside that blood vessel. And so that was really painful actually. And my legs were constantly hurting all the time and I was tired and I was fatigued, but the scary part was I kept clotting. So after they put me on, um, you know, a, a heparin, they don't know why in a fragment shot, you know, they didn't understand why these clots kept coming back because that should have really stopped it. Um, but it didn't. So I was really nervous that my racing career was going to be done at that point. And, uh, had three surgeries, one in February, March, and April. And, I had one, I think like four weeks before Boston. And I asked my hematologist if I could race it. And he says, you can race it, but you're going to be absolutely whipped. Like you're going to be exhausted. Your body has gone through so much. He said it takes 18 months to recover, especially like under your condition and what you had and how much blockage that you had. He said, Tatiana, like your body has to just build collaterals now. Like it's going to take eight, 18 months from April to be like normal again. And so I think that was the, t the toughest part to hear and to, um, you know, to get back into racing, it was scary and it was painful. Um, I felt really tired all the time and my body really wanted to be up there um, with, you know, with the lead person and, but it couldn't, you know, it was, it was trying to heal. And so 
Um, I think that was the toughest part, but I was so proud of myself because, you know, I, I just, I had to get back into racing and I just was like, okay, like I just need one race just to kind of get me going. And then from there, I just need to, you know, continue to really focus on recovery and alter my training and seeing what I can do because a max that I could have been in my chair was like 40 minutes without, you know, being in so much pain. Um, so I think having this past year, you know, being an off year where I didn't travel and really just focused on training recovery was excellent for me. Um, it kind of just gave me that extra time for my body just to kind of continue to heal and, um, uh, be prepared for, for Tokyo. And how long did it take with the blood clots? Was it, was it 18 months total? from like when they found them until when you could start building back up or, or until you start feeling good. When did you feel good? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 18 months from, from April, um, when I finally stopped clotting, when they found a good, uh, dosage for me. So yeah, it, I didn't really I had so much like lymphedema, you could just see it all in my face. Um, I was really like puffy um, and it was all like in my lower abdomen and in my side. Um, so I, I didn't feel <laughs> normal um, in 2018 or 19 really. Um, and so I think I would have felt more normal by the time, you know, January, 2020 hits. So it took a long time. Uh, so I'll never take for granted my health <laughs> and really appreciate uh, getting back into racing. And um, I was really surprised at just how well I did during that time. Um, I was finishing second and third and I was finishing second in the Abbott world majors. So, um, I am really proud <laughs> that my body could just do that um, without being, you know, 100% recovered. And so now, in some ways, COVID for you has been helpful in giving you a little bit more time to be healthy. Is that right to assume? Yeah, it has because, um, you know, I wasn't getting on airplanes and going to these races and that races. Um, so it just allowed me to, to train. Um, and to stay in one place and put my feet up. And, um, but then that's also been mentally hard too. So it's been a mental roller coaster of the uncertainty of the future and where that will lead um, because this is our career. And so I just felt like our job was swiped up from us. And so um, that's, been, that's been pretty hard too. Now, am I right in assuming that one of your one of your sponsors is actually helpful with regard to the recovery and the, and the blood clots as well, right? So yeah, Normatech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Normatech. I um, am very very grateful for them. So um, actually, Neb got us connected many years ago when I um, was having issues with my with my lymphedema and. Um, They've been absolutely wonderful because um, it, you know, it's helped to um, kind of make my arteries um, stronger and it really helps with the blood flow and it helps with the lymphedema. And so I had to talk to my hematologist about, you know, the different like pumping style. Um, and what would work best. So when I was in Norma Tech in the very beginning it was actually very painful um, because my it was trying to heal everything. It was trying to make my our, um, my vessel stronger um, and to get rid of all that excess water weight. So now I'm not in pain anymore. So it's been pretty, it's been really good to, to have Norma. Um, and, you know, I still have my good days and my bad days. Um, and they said that would be pretty normal um, with someone with that severe blood clotting issue. So, uh, but Normatech has been literally a lifesaver. Um, I take it everywhere. I take it on international trips. 
Can you describe what it is? Um, yeah, they're like little like leg pumps. Um, and you're, you have like a long hose and it's attached to a pump and you can set, you know, different settings on it. Um, and so it goes like pumps from your toes all the way up to your, your thighs. Um, so it just like squeezes uh, all the way, all the way up and then releases and then squeezes back down. So like you're wearing a cast, like a soft cast kind of thing. I mean, like a, it's yeah, it's a big boot. It goes all the way up to your waist. Yes. It's a big, big boot. So um, it, it does go all the way up there. Um, and my friends love it. <laughs> they're like, this is awesome. And they'll get into it when they're like, oh, this, my legs hurt. And they're like, try this. It's like amazing. And it feels awesome. Um, so everyone, my friends love it. My family loves it. So it's but it really has been a lifesaver, especially after long flights, um, during a flight, especially internationally, um, where you get pretty swollen. So it's been good to me. Which is one of the issues for those of us in wheelchairs anyway, right? That, that we just don't have the tone of the muscle to pump the blood back from the legs. And so it pools and you know, you can jump into bed at night and go, oh, wow, my ankles are gigantic as a result of being up all day long. So this is something that helps improve that situation. What are your expectations, if you have any, looking at Tokyo? Because you have been somebody who has had gigantic expectations. Like in, in London, you were talking about London 2012, where there was a good chance that you could have one from the 100 meters all the way through the marathon. And I would imagine in some ways that that was a bit of a emotional challenge to have that great an expectation. What are your expectations going into Tokyo and what will you, what, what events will you run? Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I've had high expectations this year just to not get COVID. Um, so that was a good check mark. Um, and I hope, you know, just to at trials, just to take each event and qualify for the 100, the 400, the 815, the 5,000. And then in Tokyo, you know, um, it'll be tough. So I hope just to be top three. Um, that would be awesome. And uh, yeah, just take one day at a time. And, um, you know, it would be, it's going to be challenging. Um, it's going to be a very different games on how we go in. And uh, I know we'll be in our own little bubble. They're going to do COVID testing. And um, so it's going to be very different. Um, but yeah, just take one race at a time. And, you know, we, I haven't raced in two years. So hopefully being in the top three and getting some medals for, for Team USA. Will you run the marathon? You didn't mention the marathon. Oh yeah, I qualified for the marathon. Um, so I would, yep, I would at the very end run race the marathon. What, what do you say when? What do you say to yourself when things are difficult? I mean, being a marathoner, it's one of those that marathons look not all that bad when you're watching it from your couch, when you're watching television, but. When you're in the midst of it, there are those times where you think, this is it, I am completely done, or the training, or coming through, I mean, probably even more so coming through your, your injuries, right, the clotting issue. What do you say to yourself? How do you, how do you keep going forward and stay strong? Yeah, I, well, luckily I've had, you know, such a great support system, um, whether if it's with coaches or my parents, um, because they've had to really lift me up. Um, it was very, very tough. Um, and spent many days crying thinking like, I'm never going to get back to my career or what I was before. Um, so it was definitely emotionally, uh, taxing. Uh, but I just tell myself, you know, I love this. I can do it. Um, it just, it's just gonna have to be one day at a time. Like you had time to recover. Your career is not over you know, I see myself competing for 10 more years. So I have time. Um, and so I just needed to step back and just do the process of it, even though it wasn't fun. Um, it was very, very important to do. So, um, and I think having um, your teammates there too is a good measure of how you're doing as well. 
um, and because practice is like competition. So that was really, really helpful. Um, I think leaving 2019, you know, I wanted to do better in the marathon. So um, I think that was tough. Um, but I think that year has given me a lot of good, good time and good training um, and not traveling and focusing on recovery and, and nutrition. So um, yeah, but I just, I tell myself, I really do love this and I enjoy it. Um, and every, every athlete, you know, has a fall and then they get back into victory and people love to see that. And I've gotten some such great feedback posting about my blood clotting disorder because I've met many marathoners who sent me messages saying I had a blood clotting disorder and they didn't have a disability, you know, they're ambulatory, um, but they just got it. And so they were talking about their journey getting back into running again. And so that was really cool um, being connected that way. And even reading Serena Williams story, she's had blood clotting issues and she's come back to tennis and she's still the greatest. So I know that I can do it and I can come back. Um, there's been NASCAR drivers and basketball players. So I'm not out there alone in the world. Um, there's many elite athletes who've had it and dealt with it and then came back. I mean, a lot of people say that, that our success is based on oftentimes our success and our ability to keep going forward is based on the reason why we're, mm -hmm. we're moving forward. Do you, do you tap into sort of your, your history? I mean, I mean, you have an amazing story, right? I mean, you, you, you've, you've gone from one place to someplace that's completely, I mean, gone from the orphanage in Russia to the red carpet, uh, you know, kind of thing. Like, like it's unimaginable. Is this, is this part of what you tap into as well as, is that you've survived these things and that you've thrived? Definitely. I think I just somehow do it automatically uh, because of my past and my history that um, the strength is there. I just need to remember that um, and, and tap into that again. Um, I think, you know, living in an orphanage for the first six years and literally having nothing, um, especially medical treatment, you know, uh, if I could survive that, then I could, you know, get through, <laughs> through a blood clot and through the lymphedema, it just takes time. So um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's remembering that strength and remembering that six-year-old self and uh, putting it to use as an adult <laughs> is, is important because sometimes we lose that, we become so scared. So, um, you know, I have to remember to tap into that. Well, you have a saying too, right? That a Russian saying that was the title of your book as well. What, what, what does that all mean? What does that mean to you? And what, what's the saying and what does it mean to you? Yeah, the saying is called Yasama, which means I can do it and I can do it myself. Um, so I said that as a kid a lot when my parents adopted me, they wanted to help me do things. And I was like, like yeah like yasama yasama I'm like no 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 like I can do it myself like go away and um so I've always been independent and I like to learn and I like challenges so um it's such a good phrase and I have to it's you know I, I can do it I just have to put my mind and my body together and um and and do it so like I said I have to remember that six-year-old kid that was just spontaneous and in a little wild and uh, believe that she could do anything. And, and you did everything. Like I often say that my arms have become my legs as, as a wheelchair user, you know, I had my accident when I was 20 years old and I wouldn't have used my arms to get around. Like you just don't use your arms. You don't develop your muscle in that kind of way. And now now, I mean, talking about doing marathons is one thing, but even just getting around, even just pushing your wheelchair, you know, a few blocks, a few miles, whatever it is, is, is something that, we, that could be exhausting, but your, your arms have adjusted. But you literally, when you were in the orphanage, your arms literally 
became your legs. I mean, you didn't even, you didn't even have a wheelchair. Like what, what was the, was there a thought process? And, and I mean, sometimes I've read some things that said that you, that, that maybe this was beneficial for you. It was, it was like your early training. Yeah, probably. It was probably like preparing me for, you know, what was about to come. Um, but I just did it. So I just used the resources that I had around me and that was me. So if I wanted to go where all the other kids were going, then I had to figure out how I was going to get there. <laughs> and, um, and that was it. Like it just, I didn't have anything else. And so no one was going to come and figure it out for me. No one was going to come and, and help me. Um, and so, but I think I was like wired differently too. So I was, you know, um, I just believed that I was just like all the other kids and that like, if they were going to go there, then I belong there too. So, um, that's always been my mentality. And I think that's carried so much over into my career now, especially being an advocate for, you know, for, um, paras and for wheelchair racing and for the Paralympics um, and for the marathons as well um, that you know I want to be there too and I want to have those same experiences so why not um, and yeah I just that's the way I was wired Chris. <laughs> what what is your message Tatiana because the thing is I mean you're talking about advocacy right and and some of this is like coverage in terms of in terms of television coverage some of its prize money some of its acceptance some of its a sense of equality like what's what's your message and why are you unique to to give that message um i don't know why it's you know why i'm unique but i think i just really enjoy what i do and um you know i think there's been racing community has been good to me. So I remember, you know, getting into going to Athens and having really great mentors um, who, you know, at camps helped me. <laughs> and so um, it's so important to give back because though, you know, my mentors didn't have equality and they didn't get to experience equal pay and they didn't get to experience the one team, one name. Um, and so I thought, well, it's been 16 years. So we got, we have to do, continue to do something and to be that voice. And so I feel like a lot of athletes are using their voice for the good. And that's so important to do it as a unity and to continue to push that message forward um, because it's giving to the future generations as we're looking forward to LA 28, where the games will be in the U S. And so if you can create equality in sports, you can create equality for people with disabilities in their own community. And so, um, I think I haven't not really, I am a shy person, but I'm not a shy person in what I believe in. And so I believe that, you know, these, I'm wasting my opinions because they're right. <laughs> and um, it's facts. And you can see the numbers, the numbers, you know, of our pay is online. So it's not like it's a secret <laughs> of what our prize money is for marathons or, you know, at the Paralympics. Um, and so I think that's just so important that, you know, we, people with disabilities are part of every subculture and culture. And so I feel like for, we've always been left behind, um, you know, whether if it's visibility, um, you know, in commercials. Um, so it's so important because when I go outside of my apartment, you know, I, there's not a disabled person that lives here. If I'm going to be driving on the highway, I'm not going to see a billboard of a person with a disability. I'm going to go look online, you know, I'm not really going to see, you know, a commercial with someone with disability. You're seeing it more and more now, um, but it's not like the norm yet. We're getting there. Um, and so the, the curve is coming for us, which is really important. So it's important to stick on, stay on top of it and to stick to it. Um, and it's been, been such great changes too that has 
come by voicing the opinions like having same press conferences at marathons um, before they used to be separate. And so I didn't have a problem <laughs> telling, you know, that I wouldn't come back if you didn't have the press conference together. Um, and they had the press conference together. So it's been to, to do that. Um, and every marathon has made its own growth. And so it's so good to see. And I think the population enjoys um, getting to know the stories of the wheelchair racers because I feel like we're more relatable to society um, with the struggles and triumphs that we've come through because your average person, we're all gonna go have struggles and, and triumphs. So um, I think people just really latch on. And once you share our stories and make our sport visible, people are so fascinated. Um, we just have to get that chance um, and do our own media for it too sometimes. Well, you've been you've been at the forefront of a lot of these fights, right? And and some of it really we are seeing. I mean, we're seeing that NBC with the Paralympic coverage is continuing to grow its coverage, and that there'll be more prime time uh, Paralympic coverage this year, which is which is amazing. You know, which is which is great to see. And then also with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, where mm -hmm. now the the medal bonuses are going to be the same for both the Olympics and the Paralympics, something that, that, has, that hasn't occurred in the past. But when you, when you came to Athens, right after Athens, you then had, you returned from Athens, you returned from you know, the greatest event, the biggest stage for the Paralympics, right? The biggest stage for anybody with a disability, the second biggest sporting event of the year, and then returned to your high school and had to fight to join the track team as a medalist from Athens. And so, yeah. so you've been involved in this fight for, for a long time. Where do, you, where do you want to see it go and how can, how can we make those steps? I mean, you're talking about the press conferences and those kinds of things, but what are the important voices that we need in order to move forward? Yeah, my dream would be when I go out that door that like someone will be like, oh my goodness, like, are you that Paralympian? <laughs> so that's not happening yet. Um, it, it is, but it like isn't. Um, when I'm in the marathon community and race weekend, like absolutely everyone who's involved with running and um, the running community knows, the marathon community knows, the Olympic and Paralympic community, of course. But I, you know, I just... I just want to be able to go out that door and people understanding, you know, that the Paralympics come after the Olympics and talk about it casually. <laughs> I think the best, um, the best like day that I had where I was like, yeah, we're making a difference was when I was back home um, training on the track and a little boy was out there with his dad. He goes, what's that? He goes, that's a racing chair. And I'm like, the, here we are, we were arriving. This is awesome. Like we're doing our jobs. Like he just said it was a racing chair. Like that's awesome. And so that like made me feel really good that like we're making progress. Um, so that's what I want is just more open conversations about Paralympics and wheelchair racing and, and disability. Um, and not have it people look at it like a, a taboo or a feel good thing, um, that it's serious and that it's competitive and that we spend hours training and putting in miles and miles. And so that's what I want people to, to know. So like I said, when I go out that front door, that's would be my dream. Exactly. And also I would assume that when, if you retire in 10 years, that they continue to see you as a viable person, even if you aren't a Paralympian anymore and seeing other people I'd imagine too. I hope so. Um, hopefully I'll stay within the sport somehow doing something exciting. Um, but yes, I 100% agree, um, you know, continuing being, um, just being one of those legendaries that will never be forgotten like Michael Jordan or Michael Johnson or, uh, 
So I hope to have that same name. You've been in an interesting situation and an interesting time as well, right? In that you have, you have a lot of sponsors. Uh, you have sort of, in some ways, sort of the, the some of the Jerry Maguire kind of sponsors, right? And you've got like the, the, the Nikes and the Coca-Colas and those kinds of people that they might've been talking about in Jerry Maguire. But, uh, but some of that, like BP did a commercial with you, which I think was the first commercial featuring a Paralympian that showed during the Olympics. It, am I right in that? And how did that come about? Yeah, so BP was amazing. They were uh, a sponsor that set like such a great precedence and such a great, you know, um, a role model saying we will treat Olympians and Paralympians the same. <laughs> like contracts will be the same. No one's going to have more. No one's going to have less. Everyone is going to be an equal. And they really set the standard. Um, and I really enjoy talking about that with BP, about that with BP um, because, you know, they really made that change happen and they didn't see Paralympians as any less. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like um, sometimes there's a mentality where you can pay, you know, people with disabilities less. And um, that really shouldn't be the case because we're just like the Olympians putting the same amount of time and effort and training um, and sacrifices. And so BP saw that. And it was really cool to be part of that commercial aired during the Olympics to kind of get ready for, for the Paralympics. And I miss them so much. I miss filming with them, I miss the athletes. Um, it's always been such a great group of people um, and they really made so much change. Um, I just want them to be back. Um, they've been just really quite amazing and they helped um, fund the training center at University of Illinois. So they were the main sponsor, um, creating our roller room downstairs and uh, great indoor training area. So uh, without them, I don't know, they're just amazing. How did the commercial come about? Did somebody call you up and say, look, we're, we're thinking about doing this commercial. We want to run it during the, how much did you know early on? And, and what, where did your imagination go? Well, I think I knew, you know, when they were um, just enough time for, you know, to do all the filming um, and then the edit so it could be done for the airing of the Olympics. So it might have been a year out. Uh, I was very excited. Um, I, you know, felt so like, yay, like, you know, like um, very worthy um, and really, really, really excited because this was a chance, you know, everyone watches the Olympics. And so this was a chance to be like, oh my goodness, they're gonna see a wheelchair racer. They're gonna, you know, see the word Paralympics. Um, because at that time we haven't had a name change. So I feel like a lot of, you know, people, um, just really knew about the Olympics compared to the Paralympics. So I was so excited just to be visible. Um, this was going into 2012. This was London. Um, I think so. London. Pretty sure that this was going into London. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they did another one for Rio, but definitely, uh, London, so it was amazing um, that, you know, they did it so early on. So they were really the example um, of, of airing it during the Olympics. That's awesome. Now with, with your career, I mean, right now you probably have the perspective to be able to look back a little bit on your career. Do you have, and especially as you're looking forward to Tokyo, do you have any any favorite races? I sort of have my own ideas and I'm, I'm interested to see if they match up. But do you have any favorite races that you look back on and say, you know, if if I could do that same thing in Tokyo, that would be amazing? I've had some really amazing uh, races. I mean, to, um, I mean, my winning a first gold in London was amazing in the 400. Um, and the 800 was pretty awesome, taking the lead from the beginning and staying there. Um, having the American sweep in the 15 and five, I mean, that was never done before. And 
Yeah. Not only with your American teammates, but with your U of I teammates. I mean, these are people you had been with day in and day out for years. Yes. That was like the, I think that was like the highlight of everyone's career. Um, I was a little teary watching that. I, I, (laughs) I, I have to say. Yeah, it was, it was so like, it was very emotional and, um, um, Adam was really proud, um, because you know, we, we did yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, you know, he believed in us and, um, and we really believed in each other. And, um, you know, I have so much trust in, in Amanda and Chelsea and, we just, we worked together, um, but the plan didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. So I think we went to like plan C or something. Um, and, but we, we were able to work. Like, I felt like we were like telepathically communicating to each other. Um, and we were very trusting of each other. So if I said for someone to go somewhere, they just did it and um, trusted me um and if they were going to do something I trusted them so um it was and that's the perks of training with your teammate um and um so yeah that's a highlight because that was the first sweep for the Americans on a on a track like that for the 15 and 5 so it was really cool that Paralympians could do it and that the women could do it um so that was one of my favorite races and a big deal in that race too was the three of you were in front but also effectively like boxed out Manuela Shar, who, who after your clotting, essentially in a lot of ways ended up filling the void. You'd been so dominant. And then on the marathon level, you know, she became one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant women, woman wheelchair racer. So she was, she was back and forth as the three of you seemingly took complete charge. And I asked Amanda about this, Amanda McGrory, your teammate and and I said it looked awesome because it looked like you guys were in complete control and she said exactly what you said that like no no the plan didn't work as it was supposed to we did we weren't in control but to the audience it looked like you guys were in control so (laughs) yeah we were like I think I was um talking so much to Amanda and Chelsea because I knew their strength and weaknesses so um yeah, I was just like, you need to go there and like, just stay there. <laughs> and um, that's the perks of training together is that you just know their, their weaknesses. And so, um, yeah. And when things didn't go into plan, you know, you were counting laps in your head and you're seeing where everyone's falling in. So it's a very th- much of a thinking race and a thinking game almost like it's just like Tetris the entire time until you cross the finish line. So um, yeah, it was very cool. Um, I hope to maybe do that again in the future. Um, but you know, we'll see, you know, it's been a weird year and a tough year. So everyone's in a different position, but yeah, that's a race. I think no one will forget. I think that picture is like framed. Um, it's not only framed at university of Illinois, but like with NBC as well, (laughs) it's one of their like highlighted pictures, um, that they like still use on and on and on one of the greatest moments Olympics or Paralympics. And, and that's, that's kind of the cool part, right? To break that barrier between the two games. And you've been breaking it in some ways with, I mean, you talked about the press conferences at, at marathons and, and the thing is, but this is from one of the greatest marathoners ever, like passing on this information. You in some ways have, have left the sport and, and also made it to some of the, you know, whether you want to call it some of the celebrity kind of, you know, you've, you've transcended the sport into a place where, where people are, where everybody's celebrated. I mean, I see like the photos with, uh, with Gronk and these kinds of things with Rob Gronkowski and, and what's, what's the statement that you're able to make, you know, by, by being there one, it's probably nice to be invited, but what's the statement you're, you're able to make? Yeah, I mean, it's just been, I feel like in the marathon community, we're all, we're all the same, um, you know, as Olympians and Paralympians, we're all the same. There's no difference between us, you know, it's, uh, we, like I said before, we all made sacrifices, we all take the time and 
to train and put in the hours and put in the work. So there's no difference between us there. Um, as being invited to award shows, I'm always honored and I get so nervous going. Um, and I'm like, should I be here? Like, am I an equal to these people? But, you know, I, I go into it as having so much fun and, um, you have to, I also go into remembering that they're, they're a person just like you are. Um, so I think that's what makes me a little bit less shy going up to them, you know, like either making a joke or just make it like very lighthearted, <laughs> nothing too serious when I meet them. Um, and to talk about sports, that's usually the best topic that we can, you know, we have a common ground on. Um, and as going to the Golden Globes, they love athletes and we love actors and actresses because I love watching movies and TVs because, you know, that's what we can do to keep our mind busy. And that's what I do to keep my mind busy. Um, so it's really cool talking about that. Um, so just finding, having, just finding that common ground, I feel like, um, but yeah, I'm always so nervous. So I always have to bring like a wing person or be with a wing, a wing person. And, uh, but it's, it's fun. And, um, I just try to make the most out of it because you don't know if you're going to be invited back again. So I just make it the most fun night or day possible. Is it surprising the reaction that you've had from the people that you've looked at as complete stars that you're like, oh, I can't talk to this person. And then does it get flipped? Are they surprised to see yeah. you or excited to see you? Or how does that work? The one the one that I was really surprised about was um, Tom Hanks. Um, so I saw him as a, like in a f far away and he was with his wife and we were going into to where we we're going to be seated and then he came up to me he's like what's that around your neck like is that a gold medal and I was just like Tom Hanks is talking to me like <laughs> I was like yep <laughs> and I was just like was so like a star starstruck meeting like Nick Jonas, Nicole Kidman, Millie Brown. I was very nervous going. Um, I like when I got out of the car and we were going to be entering into the red carpet, I thought I was going to like faint because I was like, these are where all the important people are. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, I don't know if I'm important. I just like to race fast and um have some kind of voice but I don't know if I'm that important it was so much fun yeah it was very cool thank you for your time good luck good luck with your training I look forward to seeing you in June hopefully you're going really fast I would imagine you would be because that's generally what you do when I see <laughs> well, you hopefully we can all hold it. <laughs> thank you I'll see you in June all right well best of luck Tatiana, thank you so much. Thank you to all of you for listening. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends. Please follow us. Please like us. You can find the podcast where you find all your podcasts on Apple, on Spotify, on all the usual suspects. So thank you very much. And thank you, Tatiana. And best of luck and go fast. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris White Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.